I realize that on a day like today, Mother's Day, it's probably met with a lot of different emotions for a lot of different reasons. You know, I think for some, Mother's Day is a really difficult day. Uh, I, I think maybe it's difficult because, well, maybe I didn't have a mother that met those expectations that we just sang about, guiding us in that way of a Christian home. And so perhaps that's a challenge for your heart this morning. Maybe you're challenged by the, uh, the emotion of sadness because this day maybe automatically brings up emotions for you. Because you sit in a pew and you sing a song and that song floods your, your mind with precious memories. I, I get that. I understand. Literally. I've been, I, I am where you are. Maybe a day like today is challenging and, um, because you just know that on this day the preacher's going to preach at me. I'm not going to preach at anybody, okay? Just know that. That's not my style. But maybe it's challenging because you think, well, we're going to talk about the subject matter, and if I'm being honest with myself, and maybe you're thinking, well, even my kids would tell you, I just, maybe I didn't do it perfectly. I'm not doing it perfectly. And so what you're going to share with me this morning is just reminding me of that fact. May I offer this to you? None of us are. None of us are doing it perfectly. In Proverbs chapter 31, what we're reading is an account of the ideal mama. And so we might even consider this somewhat of a checklist, if you will. So when you look at Proverbs chapter 31, and as a mother or as a woman, and if you think about this in more uh, broad terms, an ideal person, then we are looking at a perfect list, if you will, a list of perfection. And so if we can just kind of keep that in mind, that this is the ideal situation, that this is the perfect situation, and realize that perfection doesn't exist, and none of us are doing life perfectly, but we're striving towards that, maybe that helps our process this morning. Does that make sense? Proverbs chapter 31 opens up with the, uh, the introduction to a character, if you will, an individual's name that maybe, if we're not real familiar with Proverbs chapter 31, we, we've never even heard it. It says, the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. And you may be thinking, well, who in the world is Lemuel? I don't, I don't know who that is. And maybe you're sitting there thinking that, well, Lemuel obviously is Solomon. And Proverbs chapter 31 is telling us about the mother of Solomon. My question to you is, how do you know that? Well, I read it in a commentary somewhere. Okay, well, who told them that? 
I don't know who Lemuel was. I used to think he was probably Solomon. I've studied through it, and, and there's uh, some speculation that uh, Lemuel was actually not Solomon, but probably King Hezekiah, good king. And so the woman mentioned in Proverbs 31 was Hezekiah's mother. But as I've continued to study this, and I say continue because it's an ongoing process, right? Hopefully we're constantly studying. I've come to believe that it is, it is the name representing the ideal person or the ideal situation. You'll notice again it says that the words of King Lemuel, Lemuel unto God, this ideal king, the prophecy that his mother, the ideal king, his mother, the ideal mother taught him. In other words, God says through the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit God says, I'm going to give you a chapter that talks about the ideal situation, and let's learn from it together. And so here's what we're going to do as we go through this process. We're going to look at the first nine verses to begin, because that is a, a, a list a three-point list of the ideal king. And what do you have to be mindful of as the ideal king? We might even say the ideal man. And then in verses 10 through 31, we shift gears a little bit to the ideal woman. Okay? And that's what our process is going to look like. And three points with the woman as well. So if we look at verse number 2, this is the ideal woman thinking and reflecting on the ideal man, the ideal king. What, my son, and what, the son of my womb, and what, the son of my vows? Three times in one verse, the ideal woman is asking the question of the one who would become the ideal king or the ideal man, what? As if to say, what shall I teach you? What do you need to know from me to be successful in life? Have you ever, um, as a mother and raising little ones, have you ever kind of thought in your mind and said, okay, what are those big deal items I've got to share? What are those, those big deal, those big ticket things that, that my kids have, have got to know before they leave the house? What are those things? And if I could just share with them those things, then they'll be successful. That's what the worthy woman of Proverbs 31 is asking herself. What, and she does it three times, what shall I share? What does he need to know. And she comes up with a list of three specific items. And we'll just make them all begin with the same letter so we can remember them a little bit easier. And the first one is this. said, I need, I need this boy to know about women. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I need this boy to know about wine. And then the third thing is, I need this boy to know about wisdom. And so she's, she's thinking out loud, what are the things, the three things, and she asked herself the question three times, what are the three things that I really need to emphasize with him? And the first one is, be mindful 
Be mindful of women. Verse 3, give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. You know how tough of a spot this puts me in to be up here talking about this kind of stuff? I feel like we ought to just dismiss the room and say, okay, ladies, you go over here and talk amongst yourselves, and guys, you go over here and talk amongst yourselves, and whatever we talk about in those rooms just stays there, and then we come back and we get back to it. That's kind of how I feel right now. But if we look at this passage, it's saying, okay, be mindful of the strength of women because women have the power to bring down kings. Women have the power to bring down men. There is a certain element about women, well, more than one, I suppose, but there's a certain element about women that is incredibly powerful. And when we look at passages like Proverbs and like the Song of Solomon and other passages that that talk about being mindful, men being mindful of women and what they can do to your heart, one of the things that comes up over and over and over again is their sensuality. I mean, it comes up time and time again. Let me illustrate it this way. If you were to get on social media, many of you are on social media. If you were to get on social media, maybe you have a child that's on social media, and and one of your deals is, if you're going to be on social media as a young person, um, I'm going to be your friend too. And you're going to let me follow you. And you're going to follow me, and I'm going to see everything that you post just because I'm your mama, I'm your daddy, and that's the way it's going to be. And so as a parent or as an adult, you're following young people, and in particular here, we're following young ladies. And you'll notice that a young lady posts an image of herself. And shortly after she posts that image of herself, you start to have comments. I mean, one after the other. I mean, of course, you get the little like clicks, and you get the love clicks, and you get the, I think they're hearts, so you get the, what's the new one, like a hug, uh, whatever it's called. And you start to see all those things pop up, and then you start to get the comments. And what are the comments? Oh, you're so pretty. You're so beautiful. And then I'm going to get into a little bit more risque types of comments. You're so H-A-W-T. Can you pronounce that in your brain? Thank you. Uh, Or what about this one? You're so sexy. And you just keep filling in the blanks. Those are the types of comments that you'll see made with the young ladies toward the other young ladies regarding their picture. And I got to say, just as I imagine this, that it probably makes the young lady feel really good. Maybe even a little bit powerful. But you know who else is looking at that? Other than an incredibly um, maybe concerned, maybe uh, I don't know, worried, uh, 
mother or father, guys are seeing that. Guys are seeing that. And so now their minds are starting to be flooded with all of these ideas, and, and they're, of course, looking at the picture, and they're thinking, yeah, that's right, that's right. The power of her sensuality, even as a young lady. Not a lot of comments are being made about, wow, you are beautiful, but not as beautiful as your heart. You are beautiful, but not, not nearly as beautiful as you are kind. You see what I'm saying? The focus is on the outward as opposed to the inward where God's focus is and where our focus should be. And what Solomon, or what uh, Lemuel's mother, whomever that may be, what Lemuel's mother is saying, Lemuel, if you're going to be successful as a king, as a man, you really need to be careful of women. But second of all, she says, I want you to be really careful with respect to wine. Look at verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes to drink wine or strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto them that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. In other words, there was some type of an, um, an exception that was in their minds regarding the strong drink. Not an exception that says, okay, God is okay with this, but an exception, an understanding that these were occasions when people would drink wine and it would be permitted. For instance, one would be if you're sick, she was saying, you know, if you're sick, it's understood that people are going to drink wine. Another exception, she would say, well, if you're, if you're depressed then it's kind of understood that, that you know, there's some folks that are going to drink wine. That's, that's to be understood. Or over here, th- there's an experience of uh, a loss of some type. The expectation is that you're probably going to drink some wine. I mean, those things were just expected. But King, these things are not expected of you. Remember, we're looking at the ideal person here, the ideal man in particular. This is not expected of you. Why? It's not expected of you because you have lives hanging in the balance. You're a king of a kingdom. And people are looking to you to to think with sobriety and to reason through things properly and to make good judgments, good calls. And so, King, it doesn't matter if you're sick. It doesn't matter if you're depressed. It doesn't matter if you've experienced some kind of a loss. You're not going to drink wine. And then Mama says, I want to tell you something about wisdom. Women, wine, wisdom. Verse 8. Upon thy mouth for the dumb and the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction... Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Wisdom over your purpose in life. What's going to make you successful? 
What's going to make you successful? And if you're looking at these words in the little box up on the screen back there, we've gotten nowhere close to that point. That's our very last point. So don't even pay attention to that, okay? Just ignore that entirely. Imagine it's not even there. What's going to make you successful, man, king? Knowing your purpose. Knowing your purpose is to get into the life of somebody else and make their life's experience better than it would have been otherwise had you not been involved in it. You want to be successful? Be careful with women. Be careful with the wine. Be mindful of wisdom. All right. There we go. Now move to the next one. All right. Look at verse number 10. Now we start to move in and we think about the ideal woman. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. A virtuous woman. When you think about the virtuous woman, the virtuous woman is, is someone whose, whose power is a force to be reckoned with. Well, what is that power? It's her love. A virtuous woman is love incarnate. You, you ever wondered what a virtuous woman... You've looked at this passage, what in the world is a virtuous woman? I got an idea of what virtue is, but, but what is it really? It is love incarnate. Keep your finger here in Proverbs 31 and, and turn over to the New Testament. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. All right, look at verse number 1 beginning. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity. Charity is what the King James Version says. The word there is agape. We might even say agape love and have a better idea of what's being talked about here, sacrificial love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not agape love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not agape love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not agape love, it profiteth me nothing. In other words, ladies in particular, as we take this and, and, and insert it into Proverbs chapter 31, thinking about what the virtue is of women, which is that love incarnate peace, you may be incredibly powerful, but if that power is not centered in your love for God first and for people second, you're not, you're not really what you ought to be. Look at verse 4. Charity or agape love suffers long. It's kind. Agape love envies not. Agape love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly. It seeks not our own. It's not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. It never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they'll fail. Tongues, they'll cease. Knowledge, it shall vanish away. But love, agape love, sacrificial love, it doesn't go anywhere. And it, it won't go anywhere in you. Why? Because it's your core. 
And when people look at you walking about, whether it be walking about in your home or walking about in life itself, as they look at you, they're seeing love and car. That's what a Christian, that's what a godly woman is. It's that virtue of love. And then we look at verse number 11. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he will have no need of spoil. And I realize these are verses we've probably read time and time again, but, but maybe we've just kind of glossed over them and wondered, what in the world is that talking about? The idea here is that, and, and I realize I'm talking to a group of people, and we all live together in the 21st century, and things are a little bit different today, but principles have never changed. That's the thing about a principle. A principle was true, it is true, it always will be true, right? And so, in, in this passage, what we're talking about is, we're talking about a man that has full confidence in his wife, that when he departs, he doesn't have to have any concern or worry about what's going on at home. He has full trust and confidence in her that she is fulfilling her God-given role. And I know this sounds sexist, but I'm, in, I'm on solid ground because I'm just going to tell you what the Scripture says. The Bible says, Paul says, that ladies, your primary objective is to be a keeper of the home. That's, that's your job. It doesn't mean that you can't work outside of the house. In fact, as you continue to read through Proverbs 31, you're going you're gonna to read about an incredible woman who worked outside of the house. But her primary objective was to be a keeper of the home, and her husband knew that she was completely on board with being a keeper of the home, and so when she left, he left the house, he had no concern, none, about whether or not she was being faithful in her role in the home. And so he could have full confidence. Made him more productive. Verse 12. She'll good, do good to him and not evil all of the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. Now, we understand, of course, wool. Wool has been used forever to make clothing. Flax, that's the ingredient that was used to develop linen, okay? And so she was out, and she was seeking these, these resources, if you will, to make garments, to make clothing. And then it says in verse 14, she's like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. A keeper of the home, absolutely. But she was a merchant lady, I mean, can you picture this lady? She's, she's, she's keeping of the home. She's got this fantastic relationship with this, this ideal man as has been previously described. And she's working at being the ideal woman. And, and she's keeping the home. And, and now she's become a merchant. She's taking that which she has developed. She's been resourceful with. And she's going into the, I think about the town square, and she's going in there to sell the things that she has created. Maybe you've been into some cultures like that, and um, you, you, I, I can think of one particular place that I've been. I used to go to Brazil, a place called uh, Belo Horizonte, Brazil. Been there many times, and it was a, it was a little bit unique uh, on Sundays. They were doing this before it was in vogue, before COVID ever came about. They were meeting one 
uh, one time on Sunday for worship, and it was late in the afternoon. Well, downtown uh, 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 in the Bellow area, they would have all of these folks come out and set their tents up, and they were selling their merchandise. And I would walk up to these tents, and most of the time, women were in the tents, and they were bringing their goods that they had created to sell. And that's kind of what I think about when I read this, this verse. Verse 15, it says, She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She rises at night. In Eastern cultures, um, it was normal to have a light burning all night long. You say, what are you talking about? We, we, we live in the United States. We keep lights burning all night long. I know, too. It drives me nuts because, you know, I, I, write the, I pay the electric bill. Uh, but lights all night long. They lived in little one-room homes often. And a little oil lamp was kept lit all night long. And Mama would get up in the middle of the night, sometimes multiple times, and she would replenish the oil in the lamp so that the light didn't go out. And while she's up in the middle of the night, she's taking care of business. Well, what is that? Well, it says that uh, she gives meat to her household. The idea of meat there is an interesting word. It actually means to tear with your teeth. And so here she is in the middle of the night having relit the lamp or replenished the oil. She's now taking this meat and she's tearing it with her teeth and, and she's separating it to divide it up so that people within her house will have something to eat when they get up. In verse 16, and she considers a field and she buys it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. And I'm just thinking about this, this woman, this ideal woman who... She's, she's been so busy, right? She's collected the wool and the flax and she's created garments and, and she's uh, doing the homemaking thing, whatever that looks like in that culture. And then she's gone to the marketplace as a merchant. She's selling her goods. And, and now it's the, uh, the middle of the night. She's getting up, she's lighting the lamp and she's tearing meat with her teeth. And, uh, and, and while she's doing all of this, she's been thinking, you know what? On the way to the market... I saw this piece of property. She was in real estate. I mean, that's what she was. I saw this piece of property. This property would, would be fantastic. You know what I'm going to do with it? I'm going to plant corn. And we'll have corn to eat. And we'll have corn to sell. And that's, that's, that's what we're going to do with this. And then she buys it. And she gets out there and she starts to work the ground. This property is horrible for corn. It's not going to happen. But you know what? She is ingenious. She says, we could, we could have a vineyard here. And she turns it into a vineyard. And it becomes profitable for her. She perceives in verse number, or rather verse 17, she girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. All right, you ready for this? I know I'm already in trouble. I might as well just jump all in. Uh, so here, here's this woman, the ideal woman, and she sees all of the work that she has to do, and she's thinking about, you know, I've got all of these years ahead of me, I, all this work, 
So she takes her garment and she girds it up about her. Picture this worthy woman. She's, got a, she's now got her loins girded up about her and you can see her legs. And, and you know what she's doing now? She's exercising. She's giving her arms a workout. Why? 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 Again, because she she knows all that she has on her plate to do and she wants to be as healthy as she possibly can be to do it as long as she possibly can do it. Remember what I said at the beginning. This is perfection personified. This is the ideal. Because you're already sitting there thinking, I know, I know, because I, you know, you're speaking to me. I can, I, can, I can hear what you're saying in your brain. You're, you're already thinking to yourself, I am so far off from being... I get it. Better than that, God gets it. The only way you and I are perfect is in Jesus. And it has nothing to do with what you're doing and what I'm doing. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done. Okay, you with me? We're not going to do all of this perfectly, but it does not mean we don't strive for it. And that's the problem sometimes. As we look at something, we say, man, that's, that's where we, we've got to be. I'm never going to get there, so I'm, I'm not even going to try. That's the wrong attitude to have. Dig in. Try. Look at the next one. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She lays her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the staff, the uh, sewing device, if you will. And she stretch out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. And I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking, this woman's incredible, right? I mean, if you go back and you look at everything that she's done up until this point, and it's been, it's been primarily about her family, and, and her family by extension would be those people that would live with her, right? Not even blood relatives. And she's working hard with and for the family, and she's working hard on herself. And now she's getting outside of the house not to go sell something as a merchant lady or as a real estate developer, but now she sees people that's poor that are in need. And so the text says that she stretches out her hand to the poor. It's as if she has some, some type of a financial tool in her hand and she says, I want to help you. I want to help you. Look at the next verse. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all of her household are clothed with Scarlet. Did you know that in this area, in Jerusalem, did you know that two out of three winters would receive snow in Jerusalem? In 1879, there were, Jerusalem experienced a 17-inch snowfall. And so it wasn't unusual uh, to have snow in Jerusalem. And this lady said, I'm not worried about that. You can just kind of picture her going down to Aldi's and getting the, what, the, those, those snowboards for the kids to go have a big, or big kids, daddy too, go have a big time sliding on the hills in Jerusalem during the winter. I know they didn't have an Aldi's. But she, she wasn't worried about it. 
because she was taking care of the household. She makes herself coverings of tapestry. Her, her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. Why? Because of all that she is, but even the way she dresses. The idea here, of course, is that this worthy woman, this ideal woman, she's a standout. You look at her and, 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 and she just looks differently. She, she keeps herself well. She dresses herself well, but she has a humble attitude about her. And then when daddy or the husband, when he goes to work or he goes to the court or where he, he goes and he's surrounded by all of these people in the community, oh, I'm, I know who you are because of, of your wife. She is a real standout in the community as being something special. And then you look, and it says, she makes fine linen, sells it, delivers girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to speak. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. That's her character. All of that's her character. Now, we're ready for that third point. Now we're ready for the compliment. So if you just go back with me and think about how this started. What does Lemuel's mama do? She talks to herself three times and says, okay, what should I tell this boy? What do I need to tell him what do I need to tell my... She's making a commitment. It really reminds me of 1 Samuel chapter 1. Remember, Hannah? And she's, she's barren. She doesn't have a child. She prays to God over and over again. God, if you just give me a boy, give me a man-child, then here's what I'm going to do with him. It's not going to be about me. I'm going to train him to the very best of my ability to raise him up in a way that will honor you. And when he comes of age, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give him to you. And he'll be your servant. And he'll be well prepared. And I think about this, this woman, and, and she's thinking to herself, and she's speaking to herself, and three times she says, what do I need to teach him so that, so that he can be successful? And the things that just immediately pop up for her is, I need to tell him something about women. I need to tell him something about wine. I need to tell him something about wisdom. And she does. But you know what? That boy was also watching this mama conduct her own life and we see her character over the next several verses in verse 27 through the end here's the compliment she looks well to the ways of her house and eateth not the bread of idleness she's mindful of surveillance if I go back to the uh, the example that we, we made earlier about the social media piece. Perhaps Mama says, I don't really want to, I don't like it, um, I see some value in it, and so I'm going to do it. I'm going to get you a cell phone. Of course, she's 20 years old by this time when she gets that first cell phone, right? I, I know that that's not going to fly. Uh, I'm going to get you the cell phone. 
I'm going to get you the iPad or whatever it is. But here's the deal. I've got every password. I know all of your friends and so forth. Why? Because that child is the most important thing to her. And her rearing of that child is the most important thing to her. And so she's surveilling the situation. Her children, because of this, because of this, children, are you listening to me? And when I say children, you understand that I'm not putting you down in some way, but you are a child because you're not an adult. It's either you're a child or an adult, right? Because of this, her children rise up and call her blessed. And her husband also and praises her. Because of everything that she has done to this point, and now because, the last thing, because she has such a care and concern for the, the health, the safety of her family, she's celebrated by them. She's praised by them. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands. And let her own works praise her in the gates. All right, let's just check in for a second. Let's just check in. How are you feeling? What are you thinking? Maybe you're doing as we, um, we talked about at the beginning and through the lesson a little bit. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I've got a lot of work to do. That's okay. Who doesn't? Who doesn't that's wanting to be faithful to the Lord? Isn't that what the Christian life is ultimately about, is to keep working? Revelation 2.10, we're familiar with it. Be thou faithful unto death. That means you just keep working at your faithfulness all the way through the point of even dying for the Lord. And so, if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, you know what, I've got a lot of work to do. You're in good company. We all have a lot of work to do. Just keep working. But may I also say to you, you're probably doing far better than maybe you think. God loves you. We love you. Keep doing what you're doing and keep working. We'll all do the same. Won't we? We'll all do the same to be the people God has called us to be. Maybe this morning you're not a Christian and, and you know you need to be one. You know you need to repent, change your mind about sin. You, you know that. You know that it's time for you to confess your faith in Jesus as the Son of God and, and to make a decision to make Him the Lord of your life. You know that. And you know that the only way that you can connect to the blood of Christ, have every sin of the past washed away, is to be baptized for the remission of your sins. It's the only way you could do it. And you know. You know that. Would you do it? Would you make that commitment today? If you've wandered from the Lord for a period of time, and, and you know that you have done that, and, and you've brought reproach upon the Lord, would you come home? Well, this would be a great time to do it. Think about it. As together we stand and as we sing.